We hope you are having a great holiday season, a very early Happy New Year, and thanks for being here for Episode 2 of the Keith Ergo Show, starring the head coach of the 12-1 Fordham Rams. I'm Andrew Bogus, happy to be alongside. Coach, great to chat again. Hope you had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Go Rams. It was uh, definitely action-packed. You know, I got four children under the age of 11, so it, it's the best time of the year for sure, man. And it was um, – we did some cool things with our team along the break. We, uh, my family had a tremendous uh, Christmas. And then obviously, um, you know, there's 30 grandchildren in my immediate family. So Christmas night was close to 65, 70 total people at my parents' home. And um, we hadn't been able to do that for almost two years as it related to, to COVID or illness or whatever it might be. So um, really special night for, uh, for my family. Uh, so um, hopefully everybody had as good of a time and, and uh, wasn't too stressful. It's funny. It's supposed to be the best time of the year. Yet parents are stressed as hell. So, uh, but we had a blast, man. Hopefully you guys did too. Uh, and at least for you coming off the VMI win to get to 12 and one that had to take a little of that stress off, I would think. Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely not what um, the way we had like to, to take in the, the, the W, but um, an unbelievable learning experience for us and hats off to VMI. And they played very, very tough. You know, we were without Darius, and we had our worst offensive output as far as statistically um, the entire year. Some guys struggled mightily, uh, and that's why it was even more encouraging um, because some some guys off the bench really stepped up, and um, we really got to uh, take advantage of our depth in that game. And the way we won and the guys that stepped up um, was just a fantastic learning experience for us. And and we continue to build trust with one another, which was really exciting. And certainly better to go into the holiday with a, with a W than an L. Yeah. Well, so we'll get to the specifics of VMI and the 12 and one start in just a second. But sticking on kind of, you know, the, the holiday season, the Christmas break, the games got a little spread out here. So you've had time to reflect, maybe think about uh, the people that have helped you guys get to 12 and one. You get to this job. Where, how are the kind of ways you've kind of reset over the last couple of days, so to speak? Yeah, you know what? Um, it's interesting. Sometimes a break is a little, uh, you're a little nervous about a break. You know you need it, but, you know, you're, you might be in a rhythm. But um, it does give you some time to reflect. And, um, you know, we were mentioning it off air. You know, I, I had um, time to reflect with my wife and how blessed we are currently. And, and some of the people that um, have helped me along the way, you know, some funny things happened during that break from the last time we spoke. And, you know, one of those was Pat Chambers' 200th win. Um, who, who is an incredible mentor to me, has had an amazing impact on my life and coaching career, and I consider him family. And so I, I was really excited for him to get that 200th win at Florida Gulf Coast. And um, he and I have been back and forth throughout the last couple of uh, weeks. Just any chance he gets an opportunity to help me, he'll let me um, know, you know what he thinks I should do and and uh, anytime I need some advice, I'll give him a call. He picks up immediately. So um, hats off to him. And then obviously, you know, Jay Wright's uh, birthday on Christmas Eve is always a big moment for my wife and I because, you know, Jay Wright, when I was 27 years old, uh, with absolutely no college coaching experience, I was coaching high school basketball at Gonzaga High School. And uh, Jay Wright gave me an opportunity to become a video intern at the age of 27 without ever meeting me, um, but twice. Uh, and that obviously changed the course of my life, the course of my career. And without that, 
um, I wouldn't be living out my dream now. So I'm forever grateful from the lessons and the opportunity that Jay Wright has given me and so many others. Um, talk about a guy who's made an impact and, and an, an incredible impact in so many other, so many coaches, so many players um, throughout his career. So um, just an opportunity to look at those types of individuals and, and thank them for all the incredible opportunities they've given me. Um, and then also I got a chance to watch more basketball other than just Fordham and uh, hats off to Kyle Neptune. It's turned the corner of Villanova. They're getting more and more healthy and absolutely loved being able to watch him and his team. Um, you know, because I'm not afford them without Kyle. So uh, those three individuals at this point, so many others, but, you know, Jim Ferry, who's, who's having a tremendous year at UMBC. So gave me an opportunity to watch a lot of the guys that I've either worked with or worked for um, and realized, man, it takes a village to get you to where you currently are. So thankful for all of those incredible people in my life and um, appreciate you asking that. So the VMI game, no Darius, seems a short-term thing. Obviously, you want him to be out there 35, 30 minutes for every single game, but is there a blessing in disguise that you had to live and survive 40 minutes without him in case somewhere down the road there's foul trouble or a tweaked ankle yeah. or the flu or whatever? 100%. You never want to be without one of your one of the best players, in my belief, in the country, let alone the Atlantic 10. Um but it, but it, but it, it's great for our our team, and it, it showed our our depth. Guys like Zach Riley stepped up incredibly, and I, I don't, you know, for us, Darius was out the entire month of February last year, um, and we won. I don't know, seven out of ten games, something like that. I can't remember how we finished, but our February into March was as good as Fordham's ever had, um, and it was without Darius. And that during that period of time, now you had Chuba Ohans. But but with that, all of the same guys like Antrell Charlton and Kyle Rose and Zach Riley and Roslav Davitsky and Abdu, they experienced winning without Darius on the floor for a good chunk of February into March last year. So it's not like it was brand new for them. They didn't skip a beat. They weren't like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Um, you know, the coaches might have been. Uh, but um, <laughs> but but these guys, you know, they they it's like uh, next man up, you know, so um you never want to be without your star player or one of your best players, but uh, you know, it is an opportunity for other guys to, to, to step up and, and really take advantage of the opportunity. And I think certain guys did that. Um, so great opportunity for us to continue to learn and grow. Uh, and they took advantage of that. And we didn't play our best. Um, we didn't play our best game at all. And credit VMI for that. They played tough. They played physical, had a great game plan. Uh, we didn't shoot the ball very well at all on offense, but that's even more encouraging to not have your best player for, for your other guys not to play their best on offense and have some guys step up in major ways, get Angel Montez back on the court for the first time since he's played a game maybe last March. Um, really encouraging for our, our future um, and also a great learning experience for our guys and to be able to win that game the way we did. Shows a lot of grit and character from our, our current roster. Which I, I think for me is the most impressive part about this start. It's another game that you could have lost and maybe previous Fordham teams would have lost. Um, I think even, I mean, a year ago, was it Maryland Eastern Shore that came to the Bronx and, and won in double overtime? So these are games that Fordham should have won but didn't win. The fact that you guys have taken care of business and it has not always been pretty or easy or a yeah. simple path to it, like, that's kind of new territory in the last couple of decades for this program. Yeah. You know what? Um, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that these guys have a mindset. They, 
doesn't matter whether or not they're down, whether or not they're not making shots or whatever it might be. They they don't ever feel like they're going to lose. It does. I think we were down eight or nine with a few minutes left in the game, and um, or even overtime. I can't really remember at this point, but. Um, and, and our guys never even blinked. Our staff never really blinked. We got, uh, uh, you know, complete faith in these kids. And these kids have complete faith in one another. They don't ever feel like they're going to lose. They always feel like they have a chance to come back. Or if it's a tight game, they feel confident enough to win. And I think that has a lot to do with the experience. We got, what, three guys in our starting lineup that are 23 years old. The other two are 22. You know, that's that's pretty old, right? So, you know, there is a drop-off after Roslov coming off the bench as a six-man or whatever you want to call him. There is a drop-off. Everybody after that is is a freshman, essentially. Even Zach Riley's only in his second semester in college. So, um, But the, the, those that experience, that age, I think these guys battle-tested from last year. They lost some of those games, won a couple of close games towards the back end of the season. So their their confidence level is, is um, immense at the moment. Um, they always feel like they have a chance to win a game, no matter what it is or where it is. And that, 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 that to me is that mindset has a lot to do with where we're at currently. And what's interesting to me about that is Kyle Rose is he's the only kind of lifelong Ram. He was recruited out of high school to come here. Everybody else has transferred in, been other places, maybe more than one other place, but they all show up here and it's not just them wanting to win for themselves. You know, you guys are doing a great job on social media, posting videos of Darius and Kyle and Antro talking about defending the house and we don't lose here. Like, so is that just because they're that elite of competitors or is how are you guys promoting that? Where does that specific Fordham connection come from, from guys who didn't begin their college careers here? Yeah, we've talked a lot about um, taking pride in the name in the front of the jersey, right? And taking advantage of what an incredible institution this place is, uh, a powerful and, and really prideful alumni base. Um, and when we recruited these guys, we talked about being trailblazers. You come here, you're, you're taking the path less traveled in order to do something really special that's never been done before. That was an open conversation in the recruiting situation with some of these transfers and a lot of these incoming freshmen, all of them, wanted to do something that had never been done. They wanted to to be the first. Guys like Darius and Antrell and and Kyle wanted to stick around to be a part of it because you could kind of see it shifting, right? And and uh, as a result, they really have taken a lot of um, pride in, in in trying to be the first to ever do something at Fordham or or or, or really start kind of uh, something that we believe could be sustainable for the future. They want to be those trailblazers. That's something we've talked about openly, something they've taken a lot of pride in. And uh, in order to do that, you got to protect, you know, your home court. So um, we've actually, we used to say road attitude. So when you go on the road, it's something that we talk about, but now in our locker room at home, we, we continue to say, we're always on the road. Let's treat ourselves like we're always on the road. We have to have a road attitude, you know, it's it's uh, all we got, all we need. It doesn't. We don't really care what's going on outside that ninety-four feet. We all got to be so connected, um, regardless of where we are. It's us against the world, and I think they've embraced that. And we got some older guys who've taken a lot of pride in the name of the front of the jersey, um, and really have, have been selfless and want to do whatever it takes to win. Um, that's kind of it, it. Happens organically. I wanted to ask you about some specific guys here, um, Abduin and Rostick, who were guys that you were selling us hard on from our preseason conversations that they're going to take big steps. They're both healthy. At one point, you said 
Abdu has the the potential to be Atlantic 10 defensive player of the year. And I'll be yep. honest, it felt, you know, it felt like a coach selling his players, which you always say with a grain of salt, but they've almost been better than you told us they were going to be about six weeks ago. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, obviously, having a guy like Chuba Ohams, he had 21 double-doubles. So those guys kind of get lost. But what they were continuing to do and how much better they were getting towards the back end of the year in February and March was one of the main reasons why we went on the run that we did because both of those guys were contributing at a very, very high level. Um, and that continued over the summer despite Rostick's injury he continued to work on his skill set as much as he could up to the level as his health would permit and and we knew really Rostick was hitting his stride in February and then he really showed how talented he was in the performance in our loss against um, Davidson in the Atlantic 10 tournament in the quarterfinals I think he had like 18-11 against Kid Borobniak who won the player of the year in our conference and it was like he he was dominant and you could see what the potential was. And then, you know, I've known Abdu Sambalas so, for so long. We watch him in practice. We see some of the things he does from a physical and athletic standpoint. And we know what he's capable of doing. And you see some flashes last year and moments and key moments. He made some big buckets or some big alley-oop catches or some huge blocks at the end of games last year. And he's continued to do that here in the non-conference. And we're going to need every ounce of their energy and their ability to continue to improve when, when A-10 starts. But both of those guys have given us a punch defensively uh, as well as offensively that has really been um, – it's opened some things up. It's opened some things up for kids like uh, Khalid Moore and, and Darius. You know, you can't just completely leave those guys. And if you do and we get shots up, they're going to get good offensive rebounds. They're going to create extra possessions. You know, and they do a ton of things that you don't even see in the stat sheet. Like – um Abdu well, like, has some and both rustic they have tremendous like we call them tap backs they might not get the rebound in, in a free throw situation on offense but they're going to tap it back to their teammate which we've had a bunch of offensive rebounds and free throw line situations where where our guys are actually shooting the ball so little plays like that screen assist and um, rolling so hard and in transition, both of them have learned to, to rim run and button hook. They're massive, right? Yeah. They're big guys, 6'10", 6'9", 240, 250 pounds uh, with some skill level and the ability to run. It, little things that you don't necessarily see in the stat sheet, these guys are doing and it's It's been incredibly effective for us and hopefully it continues. And you mentioned Zach Riley already, but VMI was like the second or third time he's hit a big, big shot for you guys late in regulation. This one was in overtime. You know, it's one thing when the frontline guys step up, have a bigger game than normal, but for a guy coming off the bench, minutes are limited. How hard is that to be ready and to be out there in those big spots and then to come through when you don't have a full 30 minutes of, of action, you know, to, to really have your impact on a game. Yeah. He actually hit, I think two, Massive shots. He hit one in the quarter in regulation this this time along, and then he also hit one in overtime. But he he it's he's built so much trust with the other guys because he is always ready to go. His mindset is whatever I need to do to help this team win, I'm going to do. You look at him and you're like, ah, he's a little slower. He's not as athletic, and. and but then you forget he's a coach's son. He played kind of semi-professional ball for, you know, throughout kind of his, you know, high school year, so to speak. And, you know, he's played with grown men and he's incredibly confident. 
um, and he always stays ready. I mean, he had the best summer or certainly one of the best summers of anybody on our team. He was playing at the highest level he could. I mean, in our first game in the Bahamas, he had five threes in the first half, right? So um, putting on a, a lot of muscle over the summer, he worked on his body, he got quicker, he got faster, he got more athletic for him anyway. And then, um, you know, obviously I think the first day of practice uh, or right around the first week of practice, he, he got diagnosed with mono and he was out for four weeks, literally could not be on the court at all for four straight weeks. And as a result, and he missed our first two or three games because he still had mono or, or he might've been cleared right at the first game, something like that, but I hadn't practiced. So not only was he out for four weeks, but he wasn't able to do anything, anything really. So um, he lost a bunch of weight. He, he, it took him a while to get going again, but every day he kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And now you're starting to see he's kind of back at full strength, both physically uh, and mentally. And as a result, he's picked up where he left off last, last February, March, which he was playing great. I mean, without him, um, the quarter or the, the second round in the A-10 tournament against George Mason in D.C., we were struggling to score. And then late in the game, because because um, we were out with De out Darius, I believe. Darius played, I think, in the first half, but then re-injured his hip. He came back for the last game against GW, played one game and then one half, and he didn't play the second half. Zach stepped up in the last five minutes of that game. I think he had like five or six points. He had an M1, a steal, helped us win that game. And, he, and he's kind of carried that through all the way into this year. His development has been through the roof, and I think it has a lot to do with his mindset. Not just him, but what it's done is it's really raised the level of our freshmen who aren't playing as much as they're, to, they're used to in their career, um, who have never practiced as hard as they're used to. Um, so they're learning from him and his kind of uh, – his attitude and his mentality is just – it's really mature, and a lot of our, our guys are feeding off of that, uh, specifically our young guys. So I cannot say enough. I know I went off and on about him, but I cannot say enough about uh, his ability to just turn it on and be called upon in any situation. And as a result, every single one of those guys in the locker room respects him, and our older guys trust him on the court as much as anybody. There is no doubt we can plug him in. He could not play for 38 minutes, come in with two minutes left in a tie game, and they, we feel incredibly comfortable he's going to make a play to win. He, he not only made a shot, sorry, he made a huge block. I don't know if you recall, late, kid was driving right. They had scored the kid number three, I think, who had a great game driving right. He blocks and he pins the shot with like 20 seconds or something like that, blocks it out of bounds. So, you know, uh, not known for his defense, but his IQ is so high, he has, he has the ability to be a great defender. And that, that reminds me of something I wanted to ask you too. So I want to do it now before we forget. After the VMI game, I saw you stop those three kids that did the bulk of their scoring in the handshake line and had a you know an extended word for each one of them. Yeah. How important are those exchanges? We see them all the time, but do you did where does that come from from your side of as a coach? And what do you think the player gets out of it hearing from the other side how much you know they appreciate the game they put up against you? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm sure they don't want to hear anything right yeah. after the game in that day in the handshake line. But those kids are incredibly respectful. I, I think it's it's um it's it's humbling to hear from the other coach. And and what I just said to all three of them is that they they outplayed us, and uh, you know they've outplayed a number of the teams on their schedule this year. Um, they 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 honestly deserve to win. 
probably at least three to four more games than they did. They lost a lot of close games. One at Davidson, which they had a number of opportunities to win inside a minute down one. Um, and they and they played hard. They played they outplayed us. Um, we just made some plays down the stretch. It had more depth. We kind of wore them out a little bit. But um, and then the kid number thirty. I mean, I'm, I went to Fairfield. He's from Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, his father went or stepfather went to to Fairfield and. Uh, one of his brothers went to Fairfield. So I mentioned that to him, but I, I just told them, you know, um, incredibly impressed by their effort um, and, and to continue to do what they're doing, because um, I think if they, they if they're still really young as a, as a team, if they continue to get better, they're going to have some big wins down the stretch here this year. So I just told them to stay the course and then be positive and, and really let them know they outplayed us. And, and I respected the hell out of it. So back on your side, finally got our first encore glimpse of Angel against VMI. And I think he kind of flashed his potential. You could see what he's capable of doing. What's a fair expectation of him for the next couple of weeks? And then what do you think he's going to be end of February, early March for you? Well, what I hope he's going to be, depending on if he can stay healthy enough, um, because, you know, a lot of times when you come back from those knee injuries or any injury, it's not just physical. It's 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 even more mental. It's getting banged up a little bit and realizing, okay, I can get nicked up and nothing happened. I think I'm good to go. And and honestly, you know, that could take the rest of the year where he he just kind of never gets completely uh, healthy, more mentally than physically. Right. So there's always going to be some soreness. There's always always going to be questioning whether or not it's strong enough. And you can see that a little bit in him already, because, you know, six months ago, some of those plays he would have raised up and dunked without even questioning, he wouldn't even have thought about it. Both of the fast breaks he had one where he did a Euro and it finished mm-hmm. in the second half late. Uh, he missed, he was, he, he, uh, he, you know, cause he just doesn't have the lift or he just doesn't feel as strong on one leg. Um, but he would have raised up and, and, you know, pumped the, uh, in, in practice prior to his injury or any other time. So you could see he's still laboring it a little bit. So it's going to take some time, but you know, I thought before the year, us knowing what he's capable of, um, that he's the best fresh, freshman in this league. He has that potential from a from an offensive skill set standpoint. He can play every position on the floor. You know, he made a huge three in the corner, puts the ball on the floor, makes a big time floater, makes pull ups. He's got pretty much. We posted him up at one point. He's got the ability to score from all three levels, and as a result, he has the ability to defend in all three levels, which is really the most important piece. But he's not quite there yet defensively because he's still favoring it a little bit laterally. So, and you can see that now it's going to take um, a lot more practice for him to get more comfortable and build trust with the team, both offensively and and mostly defensively um, and and to get in game shape. You know, I I think he played um, 13 minutes. He was, you know, between you and I, doctors only wanted him to play 10, but we went to overtime. Right. So um, (laughs) those minutes don't count. Yeah, those minutes don't count. And, you know, what he gave us the opportunity to do, which what I, I think was the difference in the game, we had to go small and, and put Khalid Moore at the five. And we were able to do that normally, you know, without Darius Quisenberry. And, and Will Will Richardson wasn't having his best game, but he, he's just – I never doubt that he could come in and play. But we, we, we threw Angel in there, and now you're still picking up, but you, but you have your small lineup and you're very versatile – offensively you couldn't really leave anyone late in the game because everybody on the floor so think about it inside the last like two minutes of regulation and overtime 
You had Khalid Moore who, who, who can make a three and who had already made one. You had Angel who made a three, I think, in overtime. Zach Riley made two. And then Kyle Rose hits a massive three, either in overtime inside two minutes of regulation, right? And then Trell's always capable, just didn't shoot the ball that well. But everybody on the floor, you couldn't – any one of those guys could have made a play, either on the perimeter or in the paint, and they all did. So as a result, that small lineup really benefited us. And Angel gives you the opportunity. He played the one through the four in that game and could have probably played the five. So I think the sky is the limit for him. I think he has the talent and the ability to be, um, you know, one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in the country, in my opinion. He's that he's that talented. He just needs to continue to work on getting in shape and getting healthy. So again, we're sitting here ahead of your A-10 opener against Davidson, 12-1 and through non-conference play. And there's always detractors. There's always negativity and, and people who are pushing back on 12 and one jump to the strength of schedule being 350, whatever. Um, you can defend that or if you want, but I was thinking more in the future, what is your kind of scheduling strategy? What might a Fordham schedule look like next year or two years from now? Yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't even contemplate that quite honestly. I'm just, Continue. I'm focused on practice today, Davidson and hmm. winning next, you know, but we have talked about some scheduling. We've looked at some things already. You know, people don't quite realize how difficult it is to schedule nowadays. We, we, we tried to get, and I'm not going to name names. We tried to get a couple of high majors who refused to play us. We had, uh, we tried to get in the garden, tried to get in the Barclays, which we're going to do every year. And we tried to get a high major to play us. We had a couple of people back out when they said they would, and then all of a sudden said no. Um, it's really difficult because almost every Power Five conference is a 20-game season. So they already have 20 high-major teams they have to play or whatever you consider high-major and major, right? Then there's teams like, you know, within the Big Five that have to – there's a number of teams now – that are or with NTEs plus the 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 one-offs like the um, the Gavit games, for instance, or the Big Ten ACC Challenge or the SEC whatever challenge, right? So they're already at 20 league games plus their MTE, which is 23 or 24 games plus their one or two games. Now they have four or five games on their schedule in their non-conference that they have to figure out. They're not going to want to come play an Atlantic 10 team. That's going to be a war, whether or not they win or lose. They don't want to do that. So as a result, it's very difficult now more than ever. And you can talk to anybody. Scheduling is almost impossible for teams like us. So, you know, um, it's it's an interesting dynamic. So everybody talks like that. It's like, you know, we still went on the road at Arkansas. We still had Harvard. We still had on the road at Tulane. So, you know, we were very strategic and I thought very, very, very good at our scheduling. And then as a league, the Atlantic 10 is trying to get to 71% in the non-conference. That's, that's really the goal. I don't know if we talk about that out loud or if I'm even allowed to say that. I don't, but, but that's always the goal. And we held down the fort. We did what we needed to do in order to, um, to put the league in a position. So, you know, we really don't focus on, any outside noise we gotta we just gotta focus on what we're trying to do as a basketball team and um and whoever the opponent is and and as you see what i think on the 20 between the 20th and the 23rd even the 20 all the way uh what christmas even christmas uh christmas day with with the wine classic thing going on there was like 
I think on the day we played and the day before total, there was like 10 uh, high major teams that lost so-called buy games. So the parody in college basketball is not what it, it, what it, what it's, what it's been in the past. It's incredible. Anybody on any given night. And, and this year is evident more than ever before. You can lose to anyone on every given night with the transfer port and NIL teams are completely different. Like you look at say a Maine. Maine had 10 new guys on their roster than they did in, in June when we did, you know, so it's like, it's a totally different situation. You look at the name and you think, ah, no, you, you have to evaluate each program, each team that year come September because they're completely different. Look at us. Look at us. Right. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, ah, we got four. We'll, we'll buy, we, you know, we'll, we'll play Fordham. You know, that, that'll, you know, we'll, that'll be our eight team. Okay. Well, we hope so because we're a completely different program and team than we were a couple of years ago. So for us, we can't focus on any outside noise. Um, we've got to continue to get better and, and really whatever people are going to say about our schedule, we've got to take care of whoever's in front of us. And our guys did a tremendous job doing that. Um, but as a result, you know, 12 and one, we're zero and zero. Now we go into to, to the second, second part, second season, so to speak. Uh, we are zero and zero. And uh, our first game of our, our second season is, is Wednesday against Davidson. Now we're in lead play. So, that's that's the way we kind of uh, mapped it out. And as far as Davidson goes, what's it like prepping for a, a team there not coached by Bob McKillop? Yeah, well, uh, they might as well be. I mean, <laughs> his son's been with them for so long that they're a spitting image of each other. They're competitive as hell. I respect, man, you want to talk about a program that's been beyond consistent for however many years. Um, and, and, you know, Coach McKillop is is a legend in our game, and his son got to learn from him for however long. And he made his imprint on that program years ago and continues to do so. So uh, they play the exact same way. They don't skip a beat. Uh, they got a lot of the same guys from last year. So um, they're incredibly sound defensively, obviously offensively. Um, they're, they're ahead of the ball game, man. They're making decisions um, one or two steps ahead of most other teams. So um, very well coached. He left off. Uh, he's picked up where, where his dad left off, and uh, they do almost all the same stuff and have most of the same type of players. So it's uh, it's going to be an absolute battle, and I'm looking forward to it. And as far as your team goes, last thing here, what are the two or three most important things that right now you're working on to improve from the 12-1 and start as A-10 play begins? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. Some of them haven't changed, quite honestly. You know, um, one of the most important things is we continue to gain experience with a lot of our young guys. I can't remember. I think the other night we had 30-something, 34, 38 bench points, which is massive. To So our young guys are starting to get more and more comfortable. You mentioned Angel, Ramad Dean hit two for four from three. Zach Riley, Will Richardson's been tremendous. Elijah Gray came in played like three minutes, hit a three at the top of the key. So one of the main things for us is to continue to see their growth. Um, uh, It's really important and it'll be big for us. Our depth has been, we've taken advantage of that and we're going to need that in in the Atlantic 10 play. Um, From a defensive standpoint, as a result of having some young guys, we need to continue to build trust. Our older guys need to continue to build trust and teach and lead a lot of those young guys because um, we, we, we harp a lot on our defensive principles and, and it takes a while for some of the young guys to understand, especially now when you get into league play. We talked about this as a program yesterday. 
League, league games, every single possession matters. If you don't sprint back in transition defense, the 16 minute of the first half, that could cost you a game uh, in the Atlantic 10 because almost every game is going to come down to one possession or certainly inside that four-minute timeout. Um, so so our guys learning that, our older guys teaching our young guys. Um, offensively for us, um, obviously it's taking care of the basketball. That has not changed from the moment we stepped foot back on campus June 1st. It's been We've been harping on it constantly. If we take care of the basketball and don't give up live turnovers um, because we're pretty good defensively in the half court, um, we make things difficult for the opposing team. Uh, and when we get shots with our ability, the offensive rebound, um, you know, it gives us a, a lot of opportunities. So um, just continuing to gain experience with our defense uh, and our young guys uh, and then taking care of the basketball uh, on offense, which for us is, is a key in every single game we go into. All right, coach. This was fun again. Thanks for doing it. We appreciate it. Uh, one more congrats on 12 and one and best of luck in a 10 play. Appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Go Rams. All that good stuff. And thanks to you everybody out there listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you again soon for episode number three of the Keith Ergo show.